Hello and welcome to That's So Craven. We are now streaming live on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and Twitch. Make sure you follow us on all social media and subscribe to be notified when a live recording starts. Please, please, please share That's So Craven with your Fulham friends to keep our community growing. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and come on you whites. Freed from desire, mind and senses purified. Freed from desire, mind and senses purified. Freed from desire, mind and senses purified. Freed from desire. Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from down under. We're here today to discuss the Leeds FA Cup game coming up on Tuesday night, Wednesday for us down under. I'm here to discuss it with me today. I have Elton. How are we going today? Yeah, fine. Thank you very much. Uh, still sweltering. Um, and um, But looking forward to this one. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting game. I was having a look through our sort of recent FA Cup history and it's kind of, um, kind of weird to be at this point in the FA Cup. We haven't reached the fifth round since uh, 2016-17 season, so six six years, and we haven't reached a quarterfinal since uh, 09-10. So what's that? All, um, yeah, like 13 years. So it's been a really long time since we we've got to this sort of stage in the competition and and had a view forward and looking at you know potentially having a proper cup run for the first time in a long time. Um, so look, obviously we we spoke not that long ago. We released a podcast a couple of days ago after the Wolves game. So uh, this isn't going to be a very long one, I wouldn't have thought, but let's let's talk about this game and how we see it going. Dad, I guess the biggest thing with the Cup, and it's something we talked about throughout the whole run so far, is how serious do you think Marco Silva is going to be taking this fixture? We've seen a couple of sort of mixed lineups that he's put out so far this year. Are we expecting him to field a slightly stronger team now we're further in the, into the competition, or do you think we're still going to see a bit of rotation considering Leeds form so far this year? I think it's one of those games where it's it's very clear that we we want to progress in the Cup. Silver, I think, has been fairly clear about that. I think you find yourself in this position now where you're mad if you don't. And if you look beyond, if you look who's left, um, there's an opportunity to have at least one more potentially very easy game if you get through. So why on earth wouldn't you make absolutely certain that you beat this team who are incredibly beatable? Um, but it's always a matter of um, uh, managing our squad. Um, we, we do have a couple of injuries to key players right now, and that's becoming a feature of our the, the week-to-week discussion in the Premier League and obviously a midweek game just piles even more pressure on that whole conversation. So that's, I think, the most complex factor in all of this as to, you know, exactly what team you, you, you put out in order to get the result without mm. um, putting any more pressure on players who need a rest. It's it's an interesting point you raise around the teams that are left, and we'll we'll cover that towards the end. But um, you know the the EFL Cup, the Carabao Cup, was played uh, last night, uh, and we saw Man United win that. And a, a, a fair bit's actually been made about Man United's run to the final because really, uh, you know, they played Aston Villa in the third round, in the fourth round they came up against Burnley, quarterfinals they played Charlton. Uh, semi-final, they played Nottingham Forest, and then their first really tough game of the whole competition was against Newcastle. And there is the potential for Fulham to have a similar sort of run where, you know, we've, we've lost a lot of big names out of the competition so far. There's no Liverpool, no Chelsea, uh, no Arsenal left. Um, there's, there's you know, a couple of good fixtures, good, good results go our way. We could have quite a good run at this. And you know, the bookies are putting us down as the fourth favourites for the Cup so far, um, which, you know, speaks volumes about how if you get a little bit lucky, those two Manchester sides somehow come up against each other in the next round, for example, and then all of a sudden the Premier League sides that you're worried about potentially losing, you know, the hardest game you might have is against Brighton, and we know that we can beat Brighton, uh, or against Tottenham, and, you know, we, we haven't beaten Tottenham this year, but... Um, I still back us in a cup final to give them a good run and potentially get something out of it. So it definitely feels like this could be 
could be our year. Uh, I know I'm sure every club who's still in the FA Cup is thinking the same thing, but um, I think a lot of that is down to how seriously Silver takes the competition and how much um, he, and I guess the, the club as well, because I'm sure it's it's a wider conversation with his coaching staff, with the physios, with the doctors, and probably with the commercial team as well about how far you want to push a cup run because what's more important at this stage, qualifying for Europe through the league, which is lucrative and, um, you know, attractive or getting to the final of a cup competition and potentially not winning it, but having a run to the semifinals. It's, it's hard to say. Um, well, I think, let's have, I think, yeah, go. Sorry. I think his, his problem is that it's just too early to call the, the fact that you're going to pull out of this because it's too hard. It's just too early. We've got too mm. good a chance to progress and that just makes it more complex. Yeah, a hundred percent. Let's have a look at a potential Fulham lineup. Now, I, I threw this together, and I actually, after I threw it together, I realised uh, almost the exact same lineup's been spruced a couple of times on Twitter because I think this sort of makes the most sense. Um, I'll, I'll run through it sort of step by step. Um, we're obviously posting it live while we're, we're streaming on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Um, I've gone with Rodak in goal. I don't think we need to discuss that that much. I think as the the final looms, we might start to see Leno, but I'm sure with Rodak as a backup keeper, uh, part of that deal is almost a guarantee that you play in the cup competition. I know you feel slightly differently about that, but do you think Rodak starts in this game at least? <sighs> I, You know, this comes down to what do we need to do to get it done, and I think I think Rodak is a plenty good enough keeper for this game. But if if we get through and we face a Premier League team in the top half of the table, whatever's been promised in a fireside chat as part of his his deal for the season, I think is up up for conversation and negotiation because I think Leno makes such a big difference to our defensive capability. If you're serious about winning a game and possibly keeping a clean sheet, you have to go with Leno. But I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you here. I think Rodak certainly certainly is is probably enough. Yeah, look, I, I think we can all agree that Leno's a better keeper than Rodak, but I don't think you're going to massively disadvantage yourself by having Rodak in goal, who is a good shot stopper. Um, he's got pretty good distribution got good communication. I think he's still a good enough keeper. He's just not as good as Leno, who's, you know, genuinely world-class. And statistically, I don't know if you've seen, but statistically he's the the most informed keeper in the whole of Europe at the moment, in the top top five leagues at least. Um, and a lot of that is down to the, the XG conversation that you have around the amount of expected goals compared to how many Fulham have actually conceded. And a lot of it's down to Leno, who... I think he's in the double figures for saves made from shots within the six-yard box this season, which is just unreal. And, you know, he's probably won us 10 points off his own back, realistically. Um, yeah. Well well deserved. Uh, totally well deserved, that that statistic and and also that position within Europe. But I, I, wouldn't, I would comment that I think one of the really um, successful features of our last three or four months has been Leno and and our very, very settled back four. Mm. And the, the, that's a unit, particularly the two centre-backs and Leno. I think they're working incredibly well together. And now what you do is, and, and, and obviously Leeds aren't the most uh, dangerous opponent here, but they're still a Premier League team and they're still... You know, they've got some good individual players, so anything can happen in a one-on-one. -on -one, who knows? But um, you are highly reliant on a group of five players with your four at the back and a keeper who just, they train together all the time, but they don't play very often together. And so how can that be a cohesive unit? You are really just chucking some players out there uh, I know that's a bit harsh, but it does feel like that. I, I think it, it is a bit harsh, but it's probably fair as well. So 
Um, looking across the back four with what I've predicted here, I've got Kazawa on the left and Suarez on the right. And then I've gone with Diop and Tosin at centre back. Now, when we were just going through this lineup earlier, you mentioned that you'd be surprised if Tim Ream gets rested. My only thought is I think Tim Ream is so important this season. Um, you'd hate for him to be burnt out for the Brentford, Arsenal, and Liverpool games that are coming. And I just think those, realistically, they're, they're more important than this game. Couldn't agree with you more. I cannot fault your thinking. And um, no one's going to lose their job for putting that forward in, in, in a coaching meeting. But one of my concerns would be um, whether whether Diop can have the same sort of fatherly influence on Tosin that Reem does as a partner, um, particularly with Leno not being in goal, as we're presuming he won't be. And I think Reem has a very, very calming influence and a very, uh, I want to say controlling, but he's just, there's there's a, a degree of, uh, an, an air of... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Help me out here. He, you know, the, he, he's calm. He's very. It's calm. It's, it's it's absolute calm, and um, yeah, I'm just wondering whether you, as much as Timney Ream needs a rest, he really does because he he actually we didn't get to man of the match uh, or talking about man of the match in in Wolves, and one of the reasons I actually went back and watched that game a second time was to sort of try and work out who my pick was. And I actually think he was our best player consistently yeah, over the two halves. He was really, really good. Diop did some good things. But it's his his effect on that defensive unit that's so important. And and well, I'm, well, I'm, I'm not disagreeing uh, wholeheartedly here, Jack, with your, your thoughts on a back four because it makes sense from a team management point of view. But, geez, you hate to take Tim Ream out of that. Uh, I 100% agree. The other possibility, I guess, um, and it's something I, I probably overlooked here, is do you also rest Diop and bring in Shane Duffy, who actually played really well in the last Cup game and played alongside Tosin and probably has a bit more of that Ream aura around him where he's a bit more of a, a calm figure because he's so experienced. Um, and I, he actually you know, was probably one of our better defenders when he did play that full 90 minutes. That's actually a really good call. I like that. I'm probably doing that. And, you know, you might even give Diop a rest rather than That's what Tosin. I mean. No, you give you, yeah, you, yeah. you play Tosin and Duffy and, and rest your I'm, two starting centre-backs. I, I was surprised at how well Diop, um, um, Duffy played in that last outing. I thought it was excellent, really excellent. And um, I, I think that's, that is an odds-on bet, actually, that he, he might appear. I, I wouldn't be surprised, um, you know, especially as I think we are looking to rotate and I think there's some important fixtures coming up. I, I'd say we'd be looking for resting those guys as much as possible. Um, and so that one sort of makes sense. I think Kazawa, who seems to just love scoring in the FA Cup so far, and giving Suarez a full 90 minutes as well, and Tete a rest, who looked very, very tired at the end of that Wolves game. That's That sort of makes sense to me. Um, moving into the midfield, uh, I've gone with Polina starting, and I think he will, um, A, to make sure that we win the game and to, to shut down the midfield of, of Leeds, but B, because he is suspended for the Brentford and Arsenal games, it, it seems to make sense that you just play him anyway. I think if he, if he wasn't totally. suspended, you, um, you'd probably give him a rest. But because he is not going to be playing anyway, and he knows that he's basically from after this game, he's got almost three weeks till his next match, you give him a rest, 100%. I agree, and, 100%. And then alongside him, I've got Lukic, and I think with Reed picking up a slight knock on, on Friday night, and the fact that he's going to be starting those Premier League games, I think it's time to give him a full 90 minutes. Um, there, there is the argument that you should actually be playing Reed and Lukic together if Reed is fit, because they're going to be playing with each other. Um, I think if Reed's fit, I wouldn't be that surprised if Polina did get rested, because I think it's important that those two start to understand how to play alongside each other, because they're going to be doing so in a couple of big matches. 
Um, your thoughts on that? Do you think Reed is just rested and Polina has to start? I would look at it a different way and say that given that Polina is 100% out and there's some kind of a question mark over Reed. And again, we, we talked about this uh, a couple of days ago and I've heard a number of other discussions about this. And it, it was a fairly high-risk move in my personal view, and I think it cost us somewhat to play Harrison Reed for that first half. And I, I always get very nervous when injured players are played out. Uh, you, you can never rely on a, on a professional athlete to drag themselves. They just they want to play. They're competitive. They want to have an impact. They So it's very rare that they will put their hand up and take themselves off. And he he tried to run an injury off and appeared to get through it after well maybe three or four minutes. It's hard to hard mm. to know because the camera wasn't on him all the time. Um, but if he's in any doubt whatsoever for a hundred and five or ten percent fitness, I wouldn't have him anywhere near this game at all. I, I think he that's and Lukic, fair because he is. He is required for those Premier League games. I think if he, he's, he's essential here, we'd be in a lot of strife because you know we we've done well to get a backup for these two in Lukic, but we don't have a backup on top of that. And I think we would we have be, one backup, one. Yeah, at which point you're starting to scramble and put Deckard over Reed there, or move Diop into there, and you're playing people out of position, and it gets a bit messy at that point. So, I, I think you're right. Um, it's just a possibility that um, Silver might want to get 90 minutes out of the two guys who are going to be playing a few games together to get a bit of understanding before those important league fixtures. But I, I think we'll see Polina start with Lukic, and I, I think that makes sense. Um, uh, across the sort of front three, I've got Solomon surely starts on the left. I think not only because of his current form, but Silver has said he's not fully match fit yet. So I think this is a chance to get up a bit of fitness. Um, if he only plays 60 minutes, I wouldn't be surprised, but I think Solomon will have um, have a start at least. Um, and I think it also just helps with his confidence as well. He's He's been saying in his post-match interviews that he, he wants to start and he's ready to start. I think it's important that we give him that start as well, and I can see that coming this weekend. Sorry, not this weekend, on Tuesday night. I think we'll see Wilson start on the right. Um, again, he's he's obviously favoured coming off the bench onto the right. He's done it multiple times so far in the last few weeks. I can see him getting a start uh, because I think we're going to rest uh, Deckard over Reed and Willian, who both look like they need a rest. And then I, I've gone with Luke Harris, um, sort of replacing Pereira in that role behind the striker. Um, he's, he performed really well. He scored a couple of goals for the under-21s the other night. I just think it's a really good opportunity to give him a decent run out and get him a start. And then on the bench, you have those guys like Pereira, Willian, Deckard over Reed, um, all all backing him up and, and ready to come on if we do need to get that little killer edge towards the end of the game. Do, do you think there's potential for anything different in that front three? Uh, there's always a question as to what Silver's master plan for the full reintroduction of Solomon actually is. Um, there, there can be no doubt that Robinson, Tete, uh, Willian, um, Bobby and Pereira really look like they need a rest. And, you know, we've got to give it to them. They've, they've worked. Th those guys are very hard runners and they've really put in huge efforts over the last six weeks. So, I think there's no no question that they will be rested. Well, we'll wait and see, but I, in our heads, there's no question. Um, if you think about what Silver's proclaimed plan for Solomon has always been, he has been reluctant to start Solomon because he doesn't think he's got 90 minutes. I, I actually understand that because I think it forces you to make a change to a team that's actually working well. You make one change mm. at the, I don't know, 50, 60-minute mark because he's absolutely out of gas. And, you, you know, you may not – you may be in a vulnerable position in the game where they're slightly ascendant, you haven't scored, and then you make a change and they score against you or something like that. So 
I think if he starts Solomon in this game, you you even if Solomon runs out of gas at 60 minutes, it probably doesn't matter because surely Willian or Bobby could come on and, and give the side 30 minutes yeah. and do a job. And so I think it doesn't matter. Solomon probably scores in 40 to 60 minutes against Leeds, I, I'm thinking, if he gets a start. And if he scores, mm. give him a rest. No, I think you've got to run him out. You've got to run him and, and actually see what, is, what size of his tank actually is. And if he can get... If you can run really hard and get 70 or 80 minutes out of him, that's a wonderful bit of data for us to go into the next game. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's about actually this is an opportunity to find out how many minutes he does have in him at the moment. And I don't think we're expecting him to play a full 90 minutes, but if we saw him get to the sort of 70, 75-minute mark, that to me is someone who who should be starting on Saturday. Um because if you can give a decent shift like that and you just can't quite make those last 15 minutes, but you can bring on someone fresh for those last 15 minutes, let's say a, a Wilson or a Dan James or a BDR, you know, it, it's it's huge. Because if we get 75 minutes out of Solomon, he's he's creating a goal for us. If not scored, it'll be from a cross or, or something. Or, or um, So I think this is a really good opportunity to see how much he has got in the tank. Um, we we know we know well we think we know that Solomon, if you give him a half of football, quality wise, he he will create something. He may or may not score, but he'll probably create two or three chances. And in his current form, he's probably going to score. So it's not a matter of whether he's good enough; it's a matter of whether he can run long enough. And so yeah, I think I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you. I I just feel like if he has ninety minutes at the moment, he's he's guaranteed a goal, and so. I mean, it's it's probably more important in the Premier League to get in minutes, but um, we we've seen it, and and we sort of raised on the last podcast. He he got he came off the bench in four minutes. He scored in his in that first game against Forest. He came off the bench within six minutes. He scored, um, and then he came off the bench again against Wolves. Oh, sorry, yeah, he did come off the bench again against Wolves. Um, and it only took him 15 minutes to score. I, I just feel like if you give this bloke a full game of football, he's just bound to score goals for you, and and that's that's key. So finding out how long we can get out of him for a, for a weekend is is really important for me. Um, Wilson, I, I don't think there's a huge argument there. I think he starts. Uh, Luke Harris, do you think he's deserving of a, of a start in this one, or do you think you'd stick with Pereira just for a bit of... Um, a known entity rather than trying out Luke Harris again. No, I, I, I want I want to see Luke Harris do well. Um, mm. We we have to find that correct opportunity, and I think I, I was disappointed with Pereira on the weekend. As I said, I, I'd love to know what was behind all of that, but his his mm. mind wasn't on. He he was undisciplined. He dropped his head very quickly when things weren't going his way. Um, he he was a little bit spiteful and a little bit late and, you know, just not, it, it wasn't a great show of leadership um, in, in, in that attacking midfield kind of area where we, particularly when Vinicius is, who is not Metro and is struggling, um, you know, we, we, we really needed him to be, more than what he was. He's not going to have Metro um, if he plays this weekend because there can't be there can't be any chance that Metro plays tom- tomorrow. No, I, I wouldn't have thought so. I'd be um, shocked if we saw Metro even on the team, even on the squad list. And he shouldn't be. We don't want him to be. As much as we love Metro, we want him to be scoring goals. We'd love him to bag three and and be able to go home at half time. But it's not going to happen. We mm. we we need Vinny to keep improving. You know, uh, what I like about Vinicius is that people have got a lot of love for him, um, and I think people have worked him out exactly what he is. Um, he is he falls short in a number of areas, and he's also being compared to a, a pretty great player that is Mitro. However yeah, one dimensional you think Mitro is, 
he's he's very effective and the things he does well he really does exceptionally well and Vinny a lot of those key things like holding up the play winning the ball in the air and things like that and and just being in the right place at the right time even without exceptional pace Mitro he's a unique kind of a player in that regard and Vinny is just not Mitro and um back back to the point about Harris I yeah I, I like the idea of that um, I was a bit disappointed with him against Sunderland, to be honest. I thought he was, he looked like he lacked confidence. His touches were good, but he was never looking to go forward. And he was always looking to tap the ball back into triangles. He'd, he'd, he'd make himself available, but he rarely ran forward at the defenders with any purpose. He didn't look like he had the confidence to do that. And I'd love to see him be given a license to run and go, go mad because he's really talented. He's really mm. talented. I also think Sunderland were actually a, a pretty good side. Um, defensively, especially, they looked pretty pretty on the ball. Uh, it put a lot of pressure on, and I think he didn't maybe not necessarily got found out. But, you know, these, these young guys who are coming up through the youth team, um, you know, even if they're very talented, when you're 17, 18 years old, um, you, you are probably at about a championship standard. And you get raised by having Premier League players around you um, but re- realistically, it's probably about where Harris sits at the moment. You'd expect him to be a decent championship player and maybe a very good League One player. Um, he's, he's never going to walk into a Premier League starting eleven uh, just purely because of his lack of experience. He, he's still young. He's still quite raw, and he needs needs games under his belt. And I think games like this are, are the important ones where you have good players around you now. I mean, imagine how much better it will be him. For, for him having Polina behind him and Solomon out to one side of him and potentially Lukic behind him as well. You've got, you know, proper international quality players around you. You're not playing like they did in the in the Carabao Cup with a like basically an under twenty one side or in a few of the few of the early games where he's he has featured in a much, much weaker side. I think he's gonna have quite a strong side around him if he does start. And I think it's going to benefit him massively. And we might see a different Luke Harris, one that's a bit more confident that we've seen when he's playing under-21s football. Um, Look, I, 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 Jack, I didn't think... I, I thought technically he was looked very, very capable. He was mm. mo- His movement was really good. He, he didn't look at all um, out of sorts when he received the ball. It was just a confidence thing. And I'd just love him to be given just a, a license to be confident and just run at defender. Because, because you know, we haven't got that up front in Vinicius. So Vinicius is actually a placeholder. Um, that's a bit harsh, but he's kind of a placeholder up front there. And if he's not doing all the things that Mitro would normally do for us in that position, why not let Luke Harris really be ultra-attacking and give him the license to do that? No, I do agree. What I'm saying is I think having better players around him in this fixture potentially will actually benefit him and give him the opportunity to do that. Because I think if you've got... If the defenders are worried about where Solomon is, where Lukic is, where Polina is, where Wilson is, they're going to be they're, they're going to be having their eyes elsewhere and they're going to be following those runs. And, I mean, I, I didn't actually mention it in the podcast that we, we just released because we sort of ran very, very long. But I, I wanted to make a point of... Um, the, the Solomon goal, a lot of that is down to Anthony Robinson's run. He actually yep. pulls a defender towards the byline and Robinson actually fakes making a run and just stops and then goes on a little run and it just pulls a defender completely away and it opens up this space for Solomon to shift it onto his right foot and get wide and gives him the time to take that shot. And I think when you've got class players around you like that, they open up the spaces for you. And we didn't have that when Harris played against Sunderland. We looked flat and they looked on top of us. Uh, but I think when when hopefully he plays uh, on Tuesday night, he's going to have those class players around him who are going to provide that space for him and give him the opportunity to run forward. I think when you, you receive the ball at feet and you look up and you see defenders coming at you and you don't see a way forward, your first thought is, yep, maintain possession, go backwards. But when you've got those players around you creating the space for you, because they're class and they just know what to do, 
it changes the way you're able to play the game as well. And I think Harris will hopefully have that on Tuesday night. I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully him having his best game in a Fulham shirt so far because I don't think we've seen what we know he has as his potential out on the pitch so far. Not as a senior. No. Um, look, let's skip forward and have a look at this lead side. Now, I, what I've done here, I've just put out um, the side leads played in their last Premier League fixture against uh, Southampton on the weekend. Really important win for Leeds. That's, uh, I believe it's taken them out of the drop zone, but they're definitely in a relegation battle. They're only one point out of the drop zone, and all those teams around them are still very, very much a chance of jumping out of the, the relegation area. So... Um, their, their lineup on the weekend, uh, Meslier in goal, who I think is a very suspect keeper, uh, even though he's mm. very highly regarded. I, I've seen him make a couple of little fluffs, and I think shots on goal, especially from someone like Solomon, will definitely worry him. Um, across the back, they've got Luke Ayling, Fierpo, Koch, and Woba. Um, through the midfield, they've got a trio of Americans in Adams, McKenney, and Aronson. Uh, on the right, they have Jack Harrison. On the left, they have Notto. And up front, Patrick Bamford. Um, now, we know that Leeds have had some struggles this year. They're obviously not performing in the league. Um, Dad, do you expect Leeds to put out a full-strength team? We did see it in the last round, even though they were playing Accrington Stanley. We still saw them put out a very strong side. Do you expect they're going to put put out a strong team again, or do you think they're going to be a bit more focused on the league and their league form and making sure that that is their priority? Hmm. Huh. Very difficult uh, thing to ever know. But I think, you know, if you, sh- if you show up v. Accrington Stanley, um, yeah, I made a mess of that, um, and you put out a full side, probably gives you a fair indication um, that they want to do well, they want to progress. And maybe they're, they're having a similar view that looking around and seeing just a handful of Premier League sides ahead of them, uh, still in the cup and thinking that maybe we could pull off a quarterfinal at least here um, and uh, that might be well worth it at the moment to them. Uh, obviously, they've got a, a lot of things to be concerned about in, in, in terms of their Premier League position, but I don't know. I think they get to a point where you as a club, feel like you've got to do something to try and keep the fans with you or give the fans something to which, and that may just carry you forward further than you even deserve to go in the Premier League. So yeah, I'm, I'm I mean, agreeing with you. I regret that. The, I think, I think they put out that I don't think they're going to roll over here and put out a weak side. They can't. I, I guess the, the issue that Leeds have, I'm, just looking at their upcoming fixtures, and I'll run through them one by one because it's, it's. I'd be alarmed if I was a team, you know, in the relegation zone with these following fixtures. And I'd personally, if I was the manager of Leeds, I'd be thinking to myself, we need to focus on the league because as lovely as an FA Cup run would be, the the next fixtures for for Leeds, admittedly, they're all Saturdays apart from one Wednesday in April now. Um, they have to play Chelsea, Chelsea away, then Brighton at home, then Wolves away, then Arsenal away, and then Nottingham Forest at home, Crystal Palace at home, and then Liverpool at home. That's their next seven fixtures. Yeah, there's, there's, I mean, when the easiest fixture there is Nottingham Forest, who aren't going to roll over because they're also in a relegation battle, and potentially Crystal Palace as well. And then they play Fulham again, actually, after that on the 22nd of April. You know, those those next eight or nine games, there's a very high possibility that they're picking up maybe three or four points, and that's not going to be enough to give them any kind of sense of safety. So I'd be thinking to myself in a game like this, I'm not risking any of my players who are going to drive me to Premier League safety. I, I just think it's... I, I mean, it's hard to say, and they'll probably end up putting out a full-strength side after we have this conversation, but if I'm looking forward... Um, at what's coming up in the league, uh, you know, Brighton, Wolves, Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool, Fulham, they're not easy games. You're playing basically one fixture in the next eight against teams in your sort of close vicinity. Um, 
geez, I'd, I'd be worried if I was a Leeds fan at the moment and the FA Cup would be miles away from what I want to be doing. I'd be focusing on the league. I, I, I tend to, I can't argue with that because that is a, that is reality staring straight back at you. And I, I, I'm sort of hopeful that we benefit from them looking at that and, and, yeah. and giving that series of fixtures some respect. I'm just taking the more conservative view and going, no, they're doing that badly. They're going to throw the kitchen sink at it. They're not going to arrest anyone. I'm not sure that they've got major injury problems at the moment. And so, yep, let's roll the dice and see how we go. But that's a very brave position for a manager to take to do that, given what he's got coming up. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could look at it and go, we need we need the wins here. Um, and, and actually a win in the FA Cup might be enough yeah. to yeah. give us a bit Gives of confidence that we can take forward into the yeah. league. But, <clears throat> I mean, I just scrolled a little bit further down Leeds' remaining fixtures. They're basically, they have to play the top six before the end of the season. Um, after they play Fulham, they've got Leicester, Bournemouth, then they finish off with Man City, Newcastle, West Ham and Spurs. Like, you know, there's, I can't see them picking up more than 10 points for the rest of the season, um, at which point I think they reach 29 points, which I, is just doesn't look like enough. Sorry, 10 points gets them to 32 points. But even then, I think statistically you probably need about 36 points to be safe at the moment. Um, I just, I just mm. feel like an FA Cup run is actually a distraction at that point. And if... Fulham were in a similar position. I'd be saying we're putting out you're not you're not playing any first team players because you need those guys to be fit. And we've seen what and what a difference it can make when you lose Polina, you lose Mitro. I, I think it's too risky. Yeah, can't argue. Can't argue. So I just pulled up a little slide here, and I want to touch on this. This is something we sort of talked about right at the start, but it's the teams remaining in the draw. I'll run through them really quickly. Um, Stoke play Brighton. Leicester play Blackburn. Bristol City play Man City. Southampton play Grimsby. Burnley play Fleetwood Town. Man United play West Ham. And Sheffield United play Tottenham. Now, for those watching along live, um, in brackets next to each of those teams, you have numbers between one and four. That um, is to do with which league the team is in. Um, there's... A high percentage that Fulham could get a very good draw out of this. Um, Man United and West Ham play each other, uh, and Fulham and Leeds are the only other prem all Premier League ties, so that'll knock a couple of Premier League teams out. I mean, if we saw an upset where West Ham beat Man United, um, and you know maybe Sheffield United, who are doing really well in the Championship, beat Tottenham, who rest a couple of players to make sure that they you know, push forward. And we, we often see Man City as well rest players in the FA Cup because they have, um, you know, European games and they're still pushing for the Premier League, so they might rest a couple of players. Uh, Fulham currently are, are sitting as the fourth favourites to win the FA Cup behind the two Manchester teams and Tottenham. Um, Dad, I mean, just looking at this and, and the potential there, there's not a huge amount of teams who I, I think we'd be overly worried about. We obviously know what Brighton can do and how good they are. And we know that the two Manchester teams and Tottenham are, are very good, but we've seen that we've pushed all of those sides right to the very limit this season and only lost each of those games by an individual goal. Do you think looking at this tie, we, we really do need to be taking the FA Cup seriously because there's not a huge amount of teams in there who are going to cause us too many issues. Look, we, we, we do need to be taking it seriously. I believe we are taking it seriously and there's also a huge element of luck involved here because we could actually have an incredibly easy game next round. It's possible. Um, I, I don't know that, you know, some of those League 3 and 4 teams are going to make it much further. But, you, you know, you, you may still end up with a, a championship opposition in, a, in a one or two matches time. So, well, I mean, you, you're looking at Burnley and Fleetwood Town play each other, so you're going to have it at at the very worst, the championship team making it to to the next round. Um, Leicester, sort of in a relegation battle themselves, they might rest players against Blackburn. As I said, Sheffield United are doing really well this season; they could get an upset. Stoke could easily upset Brighton. Like it's it's not out of the question to see 
you know, four Premier League teams and four teams in the championship in the next round. That's it. Uh, um, no, look, uh, it's great opportunity. It's it's a really good opportunity. You just if if you don't have the depth of the top four teams, you kind of would be wanting to you know to hope that you didn't have injury problems. And unfortunately, we've got both of those problems at the moment. We we have got a couple of injury problems, yeah. and so uh, yeah, anyway, we'll see how we go. Um, now, before we move on, one thing we will we haven't talked about at all really on the podcast, and we started having a bit of a conversation with Ash before we recorded the last one, but um, there's obviously a big issue at the moment with the price of tickets for this game, um, Fulham taking on Tottenham. The, the price of tickets up at £40 a ticket at the moment, and we, we sort of know that um, a lot of the ground remains unsold so far. Um, it's been a big issue for, for Fulham fans over in London. Obviously, it's hard for us to pass comment um, as we're not based in London. We don't get to go to games. Um, we watch them all on TV, which is a cost in itself. But um, it's it's going to be really interesting to see how what the actual attendance is in a game that is, is so important for Fulham, if you think about it. We haven't been in at this stage of the competition for a long time and we there's a potential to get to the quarterfinals for the first time in almost 15 years. And it's possible that it'll be done in front of 10,000 people. Do you think, I mean, without trying to pass comment too much on, on what the club should be doing, but do you think the club should be doing more here? Because as we talked about with Ash, you know, he remembers times when he was going to FA Cup games for, for £10 and taking his kid for a pound. And um, it just feels like it's a commercial decision being made here to squeeze as much as possible out of maybe not even fans, but even just tourists who are looking for a chance to watch a game of football? Well, I think there are sort of two arguments. One is the what the FA Cup represents, and it's often often an introduction to people who don't normally go to, to or they don't have a season ticket, and because they can get hold of a ticket, they might turn up and fall in love with the club. So I think it's regrettable that they're not being given an opportunity to, yeah, to become a Fulham fan. As we discussed yesterday, you know, we're in a a little area where within about four or five miles, there are a lot of high-profile teams. So we're scrapping for fans and it would be, it would be great to think that we were making being a Fulham fan affordable and not pricing ourselves completely out of that. that That's one side of it. The other side is that do, do we have some sort of blind spot here where we think um, our team and the handful of fans that do turn up are going to go have a great experience in a quarter, quarter full or half full ground? That's That's not really helping anyone. And I think if you if you price the tickets wrongly at forty pounds, it's starting to look pretty wrong, and you're turning people away, and you've really missed missed the opportunity to to sell out the ground. It's just kind of dumb because we all know that ticket sales are not, you know, in the pie chart of club income. Ticket sales aren't they're significant, but they're not the biggest. Uh, way in which clubs earn income. So to mm. try and gouge it out of a fifth round FA Cup fixture is seems foolish and short-sighted to me. Yeah, uh, 100% agree. And, you know, um, this, this game's going to be live on BBC for free so people can watch it for free at home. I, I feel like it's, it's, it's poorly thought out by the club and it, it just... Because it's poorly thought out, it makes it feel like it's gouging. And um, I don't think anyone wants that. You know, Fulham talk a lot about it being a family club and you're actually pricing families out. When, you know, for for me, if I wanted to take a couple of kids to the game, you, you're looking at £100. Um, and that's not including your, your train ticket to the game, not including any food or drink you have on the way. It's, you know, it's, it turns into a really expensive day out. And the FA Cup is meant to be this magical competition where it's access for all and it's all about underdogs making it to the very end and um, it should be about 
giving everyone the opportunity to go watch really exciting games of football. And I, I think we're going to see a fairly empty stadium on the on on Tuesday night, which is uh, it's disappointing for the players to play in front of an empty stadium. They don't like it. Um, you you know, Leeds will have oh, a full oh, away. Yeah. We're going to make a lot that, of noise. That's the point. Leeds have a, a, a big following and a and a very big away following, and you know I think, regard, kind of regardless of the price, they'll travel to London, and they will take up their full contingent because they've got a big following. Yeah, so they've, they've sold have... out their their tickets already. So and well, you know what you it's go. like when you see an away end as well. Even when the stadium's full and the away end's full, away end fans can drown out a full stadium sometimes. Um, when you have a full section of away-end fans, it's going to sound like there's absolutely no one at the cottage. And when you look at some of the screenshots that are being shared on Twitter of how many seats currently remain unsold, it's a bit scary um, because it, it kind of looks like the, the hammy end is going to be completely empty at this stage. Um, and, and that's a worry. You know, you, you want fans to get behind the players, but if they can't afford to go to a game... Um, how are they going to do that? Uh, and it's not even just being able to afford it. People can potentially afford it, but do they want to pay £40 when it should be £20? Um, the answer is probably no most of the time. And I think a lot of people would be giving this one a miss, um, you know, in part to make a statement, but also in part just because it's just it's just ridiculous uh, when you consider... Can, can, you imagine, can you imagine if we got, you know, we were nil-nil and the... 75th minute and the away crowd really gets behind Leeds and carries yeah. them forward to a, an upset win. That would be an absolute travesty. Yeah. And yeah, unforg 100%. unforgivable. Unforgivable. And, you know, I, I just think about um, it's obviously a very different story here, but I, I think about how much we pay in Australia for tickets to, you know, top-level sports. I, I'm thinking – Perth Scorchers, who are one of the best cricket teams over here in Australia. I went to one of their games. It cost me $30 for my seat, and I was in a, you know, one of the better seats in a brand-new stadium that seats 60,000 well, people. And $30 do, do is, calculation. what, 18 pounds maybe? Um, yeah, and it's just super, super affordable. And that's for, you know, one of the best teams uh, in the country. Um, you know, to watch live soccer here, you're never paying more than about $25. Um, even for internationals, I, I watched Australia play not that long ago, maybe a year or two ago, and it cost me, I think, $35, maybe $40. And that's for international football, World Cup qualifiers. Um, the the price of of tickets, and it's the problem is it's just becoming a tourist attraction, uh, as as many things in London already are. It's just alongside the London Eye and, um, you know, seeing Big Ben is seeing a game of Premier League football. And clubs know that now, and so they know that they can then they can rot people. So it's it's disappointing, and you kind of hope that we are better than that as Fulham because we're better than a lot of those big clubs at some of the things we do. But um, it's it's not it's not a good look, and it's not a good sign. And you you do hope that it's not a sign of things to come and that they do listen to the fans and they listen to the supporters trust who are trying to talk to them about this and how big an issue it is. And, you know, you see messages about what's happened over in Jacksonville after one good season in the NFL, the Khan's basically doubled the price of uh, season tickets. And I think it's a big worry for a lot of people at Fulham at the moment. Mm, let's hope we don't get there. That would be a real shame. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anyway, let's have a quick prediction from you, Dad. Uh, how do you see this one panning out? Do you think it'll go to a replay? Do you think we'll close it off in the first? I think we will go in half-time 1-0 up and finish the game 2-0. Uh, Fair enough. Um, good prediction. I'll flick to Jack's top tip for my prediction for the game. Uh, I've pulled a quick one here. Uh, a three-leg same-game multi paying $8 or £8, if you will, um, 8 to 1. Fulham to win. I see a fair few goals going in this one. I think it's probably going to be 2-1, maybe even 3-1 to Fulham. Uh, so I've gone for over two and a half goals, and I've gone for Sasa Lukic to open his account. Um, I think he is going to be quite influential in this game, and um, 
I, I think he's going to mark his his full debut with a goal. Um, look, Dad, we don't have a huge amount more to talk about. We've actually gone for a bit longer than I expected us to. Um, but I think there was actually quite a lot to discuss with this one around the way we're looking at this competition. And uh, I'm actually looking forward to watching this game more than I thought I would be. It sort of feels like a bit of a distraction when we consider where we are in the league at the moment and how important that feels. You kind of forget that we're doing so well in the Cup and and what could potentially come from an FA Cup run. So this one feels like it's kind of been pushed aside and I'm, I'm actually excited that it's here. It's, um, you know, 24 hours, 36 hours away for us. So uh, I'm really looking forward to this game. Not sure I'm going to get up for it, but it'll definitely be a first thing in the morning watch for us. Yeah, I think that's probably the most likely outcome for me as well. No, definitely looking forward to it. And um, I, I really hope we, I, I hope our weakened, weakened second team does the job and allows those really key players to get a rest. I would, you know, I'd hate to see us have to bring on our Premier League players in the second half to avoid a replay. Yeah, I think we don't want a replay at the moment, although maybe a replay works in our favour because I don't think Leeds would want a replay either. Um, but it's something you don't really have to think about at the moment. Fingers crossed we get it done all, all at once. Um, so, look, uh, as the title of this podcast, case sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. Hopefully we're going to Wembley um, and hopefully we can get a good result out of this and move on to the next round and the, the draw is favourable for us as well. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure when the draw is, but I assume it's probably um, next Monday. Around then. is it next Monday? I'm, I'm guessing something like that. I thought it's actually usually almost immediately after the fixtures. Um, sometimes even before all the fixtures are done. So we'll wait and see. I'll double check on that. And um, you know, fingers crossed, we get a good draw, and um, it becomes even more likely that we move on to potentially our first FA Cup final in a very long time. Um. So we will be reviewing this game uh, on Wednesday and hopefully our podcast will go out on Wednesday as well. Uh, we'll be joined by Sam for that one, which should be good to have him back. Um, but look, thanks again to everyone who's listened to our last couple of podcasts. We've had a little bump in subscribers on Twitter as well. Um, please do keep sharing our content, liking our content, uh, because the more you share it, the more other people get to see it as well and the more we can keep reaching other Fulham fans around the world. Um, so we really appreciate everyone's support. We've had some really, really lovely messages recently as well, which has been um, kind of nice just to give us a bit of a confidence boost to keep doing what we're doing and keep pushing forward and making good content for everyone. So until next time, come on you whites. <laughs>